Okay, we're in our part two of Jonah. Jonah uh, means dove, which is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. God had uh, sent him on a mission to Nineveh, and Jonah had run the opposite direction because he had a deep hatred and resentment against the people of Nineveh. They had been a cruel people who had uh, been the enemies of Israel for a long time, so he, he really had a thing about the Ninevites, and he did not want to go and bring them blessings. Uh, I, I just saw this wee, funny wee poem thing the other day. A guy called Jonathan Swift wrote this. He said, "We are." This is about our mindset that we are the only ones that God loves and only ones that deserve salvation. Like here's what he says: We are God's chosen few. All others will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven cramped. So that's the attitude that some people have. We saw last week that, that he had run the opposite direction, that the word in the Hebrew is that the Lord hurled out a storm. Can you just see Jonah like running off in the opposite direction and the Lord just, just hurls it out and sends a storm after him. You see, God will go to any length to get your attention because he loves you and he wants to stop you from running into pain and running away from him. So uh, we saw last week that, that because he had, been, he had got into this ship and had gone the opposite direction, there had been this storm and he actually was thrown out of the ship and we saw that the fish was waiting for him, that God had prepared a great fish. Now, I was reading through the week that may possibly in a sperm whale or a white shark, that both of them would be big enough to swallow a man whole. And I also read somewhere the, the miracle wasn't so much that he was in the fish and was still alive, but the miracle was that the digestive juices of the fish didn't kill him. That was a greater miracle. Uh, in 1933, a sulphur-bottomed whale was caught off the coast of Cape Cod. It was 100 feet long and had a mouth over 10 foot wide. A man who was unfortunate enough to be swallowed could take refuge in any one of the whale's stomach chambers or the large cranial activities, extension of the nasal sinus, which measured seven feet high and seven feet wide and 14 feet long, more than big enough for a man to hide safely inside. Isn't that incredible? So, you know, people scoff and laugh about the fish, but God's word is, is true. So what happened in this fish? Now we're going to look now to chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Do you notice he used the word cried twice there? Now there are two different words in the Hebrew. The first one is just a general word for like calling aloud. But the second one, it, it means to call for help or to scream for help. Can you imagine when he found himself inside that great fish, the terror that must have gripped him? He was absolutely terrified and he screamed out to God as the fish went down to the depths of the ocean. Can you imagine what that was like to, to, be, to feel the, the, the sense of the fish just... And the speed of that right down to the very bottom of the ocean. And of course we know that that was actually a prophetic picture of what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross for us. Because he went right down to, uh, to bear the, 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 the consequences of all of our sins. All our sins were laid upon him. 
And he went right down into Hades and he took the key of Satan so that he could unlock the gate. Satan legally was the one who, who had the keys because of man's rebellion against God and because God, man listened to Satan instead of God in the Garden of Eden. And Jesus Christ went right down and he, he dethroned Satan and he, he did it for us. So he fulfilled, and you know, Jesus himself referred, as Jonah was in the whale three, three days and three nights, even so was the son of man. Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights. It's a prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to later do for us. The Bible is so wonderful, and there's so many pictures in the Old Testament of what Jesus was actually going to come and do. And so we see that Jonah was in this whale, and he's, he's right down. And it's interesting that J. Sidlow Baxter, who's written an amazing commentary in the Bible and he says that this prayer in chapter 2 consists of three different things. The first two verses are about his thanksgiving. He's thanking God and then the next one is his contrition. He's, He's so sorry. He's so sorry for the way he's behaved and then the last verse is about his rededication. So we'll just quickly look maybe at some of this. We've read the first one. He cried out to the Lord and he says he answered me. He's thanking God for answering him. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. That was prophetically spoken about Jesus. When he, when he died for us, all the waves and billows of God's wrath for all the sin of the world went over him. And in the other Psalms, those, that very, those very words are used in terms of what Jesus suffered for us. And then it goes on to say, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Do you see he's praising God in the midst of it? The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. He's praising, yet you have it hasn't happened yet but he is he's giving thanks that it's going to happen he's speaking out thankfulness and this is a great way for us to pray pray it's a great way to give thanks to god and to say god thank you you're going to deliver me that's the prayer of faith that's the prayer of thankfulness verse 7 the contrition he says when my soul fainted within me i remembered the lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He's saying it's not worth having idols. He's saying uh, he, he's really contrite here. He's sorry. I remember the Lord and my prayer went up to you. My soul fainted within me. And then verse 9 says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Do you see that he is he's now thanking God and he's saying, I want to pay, I want to I want to make a vow to you. I don't want to have these idols anymore. Salvation is of the Lord. And the moment that he admits that salvation is of the Lord, the moment he admits that he was wrong, the moment that he turns away from himself and he says, God, you're right and I'm wrong, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. That in chapter 3 it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. It was a, a huge city. It was on the eastern bank of the Tigris River, opposite the city of Mosul in modern Iraq. 
Its, its walls were over a hundred feet high and were wide enough for three chariots to ride abreast. Uh, it's referred to in the Bible as an exceedingly great city. And that, that phrase can be, it, it actually can be translated a city important to God. See, you're important to God. And, and this city apparently took three days to, to walk through. They reckon it was either 60 miles across or 60 miles in circumference. But, so God is now sending Jonah for the second time. And because of his experience in the fish, Jonah is marching towards Nineveh now. It says in verse, uh, verse 4, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he's preaching judgment just as God told him to. And he is striding out. Now, the believer's commentary makes this wee remark that other men who have had similar experiences in history being in a fish, they've had such mottled skin from the digestive juices that they would stand out in any crowd. And the believer's commentary suggests that as Jonah walked through the city, he was a sign to the people of Nineveh. He looked different. Remember we said last week that they actually worshipped the god Dagon, the fish god. And as he, as he walked through, out, out of this fish's belly, and his whole skin is discoloured, he is a walking sign to these people. So he's a physical sign to them, but he's also preaching to them as well. And you know what this reminds me of? Do you know whenever you and I blow it? I'm sure there's nobody here that hasn't blown it at some time. We all do. We all get it wrong. We all go off and we sidetracks. We, we we disobey God. We fail Him. We make mistakes. We disobey Him in, intentionally sometimes even. But you know what? Whenever we repent and come back to God, the Lord can actually use the very thing, the very bit of trouble that we got into. He can actually use that as a sign to other people that we can actually bless other people. And that's what he was. He'd, he'd gone his own way. He'd ended up in this fish because of his waywardness, because of his stubbornness. Wasn't willing to, to, he, wasn't, he didn't trust God. He didn't believe that God's plan was good. He didn't believe that God would, would, was, was, had the right plan for his life. He didn't believe that these people deserved salvation. He was actually saying, God, you're wrong. You've got it wrong. These people don't deserve salvation. He was going against God, but yet the moment he repented, God used all of that to actually use him as a walking sign. And now he's walking through Nineveh, and he's going to walk through the city for three days, and he's a, he's a sign to the people, but he's also preaching to them, and he's shouting this out, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he's, he's preaching, and I was thinking, I'm sure, because he hated these people so much, I'm sure he was giving it to them. You know, I'm sure he was really, you know... 40 days and you all have it, you know, you'll be just wait for people. Because he really had a resentment towards these people. So because he was preaching so well and because he was a walking sign, uh, the people actually repented and we're told, I'm not going to read it right through, you can read it yourself, but we're told that from the king down, that the whole place went into repentance for their sins. The king stripped off his clothes, he put on ashes and sackcloth and sat on ashes and all the people followed suit. The whole place went into mourning for their sin. They repented. Even the animals weren't, weren't, had to go on a fast. The whole place went into a fast, and the animals had to fast as well. They were really seriously sorry, and they had seriously taken note and were told that God had mercy on them. 
It says in verse 10 uh, that uh, of chapter 3, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So now we're going to see in chapter 4, what was Jonah's reaction to God changing his mind? What was Jonah's reaction going to be now that God was showing mercy? Remember that Jonah has gone out and he has preached that in 40 days' time, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And now it's not going to happen. How's he going to feel about that? So let's read what it says. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you're a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? You know, what was happening here? It says he was displeased and angry. The Hebrew word for angry literally means to be hot. He was hot-headed. He was so angry at God because God had shown mercy to these people. And he actually spewed out the reason why he had disobeyed in the first place. Because all along he had a sneaking suspicion that because God was so merciful and so full of loving kindness, that God would forgive him. And that's why he's letting it be known. That's why I didn't go, he says, God. That's why I didn't go in the first time. Because you're far too soft, you're far too kind. And, and, and he's ripping. He's absolutely ripping. You see, he had always known the goodness of God. And I've given you a couple of references there as to how God's full of goodness and love to all of us. He doesn't make a difference. He loves us. And even when we do the worst of sins, he still reaches out to show us compassion and to forgive us. He lo- he's a God who longs to forgive. And he, he wants us to be a people who are willing to forgive others as we have been forgiven by him. And so he is, he's, he's absolutely ripping because he's always known that this is the kind of God that he is. And he's quite happy for God to forgive him. But he just doesn't want to forgive those other people. Those people that have hurt him so much, he just will not let go of that. He will not let go of that offence, of that hurt. He's, he's just holding on. He was happy to receive pardon from God for himself, but he couldn't stomach God showing mercy and forgiveness to his enemies. And so he was resolved to be in bad form. He was not going to let go. And I want to encourage you, if someone has hurt you, if someone has wounded you, I want to encourage you to please forgive them because he, this man would not forgive. And we're going to see at the end, he just was miserable. And when we hold on to resentment, when we, when we don't let go, when we hold on to the, the unforgiveness, we just put ourselves into more misery. And God knows that the only way for us to find joy is for us to forgive others. Spurgeon, you know the great preacher Spurgeon, here's what he said. People who are resolved to fret generally make themselves causes to fret. If you want to stay in a bad mood, you'll just look for things that'll put you in a bad mood. <laughs> and you know, there's nothing as miserable, is there, as somebody that's just, well, I'm in bad mood and don't talk to me because I don't want to. And you're enjoy- actually enjoying the bad mood. So that's not the way we're meant to be. He actually, Jonah had the older brother mentality. Remember the, with the prodigal son, when he came back, the older brother, he's standing out and he said, how come he got in? He wouldn't even go in and enjoy the party. And you know, it's so easy for us to become self-righteous and think, huh, how come God's showing that person favour? What about me? 
Do you ever see Joyce Meyer doing that thing, that, that walk around? What about me? What about me? What about me? You know, it's so easy to come into that kind of mentality. And at this point, we read that Jonah had this death wish. He was so angry, he just felt, I just, I don't want to live anymore because this is just too much. He was just full of hatred and anger and bitterness. He had, pre- he had preached to them all and told them, 40 days you're all done for. And now his words hadn't come to pass. How did that make him feel? You know, he was made to look a bit stupid. He had preached judgment and it hadn't happened. And his, his, his reputation, how often we're so touchy about our reputation. You know, God doesn't care about our reputation. And really, at the end of the day, uh, God cares about doing, about showing mercy and loving kindness. Jonah, Jonah should have stepped up and said, thank you, God. He should have been praising God for his mercy to these people. He should have been entering into the joy of it instead of putting himself into a bad mood. And you know, what really struck me was this. It seems that when Jonah was actually in this fish, he was a better man in the fish than he was out of the fish. That whenever, whenever things go really bad, sometimes we can just rise up and we find ourselves so close to God and we're, we're actually, sometimes we're better whenever we're under, under discipline than we are whenever we're not. And sometimes whenever we're, you know, sometimes we say, God, why don't you take this affliction away? Why don't you do this? Sometimes we're a better person with the affliction. God knows how to get the best out of us. And not that he, not that he intentionally puts affliction on us, but he allows life and, and uses it to draw the best out of us. You see, this whole story we're going to see was all about God shaping Jonah to be a man who would trust God. God wanted Jonah to be a man who would come into agreement with God's plan for the nations. He wanted Jonah to be a prophet who would be in agreement with God and not fighting and screaming against God. He wanted Jonah to be a man who would have the love of God for the people, who would not only receive God's love for himself, but that he would overflow God's love to the, to the nations around. God was trying to work with, to make Jonah into a man of God. And Jonah was resistant because he was so petty-minded and because he was, he was so stubborn. He was resisting God at every turn and he was actually making himself more miserable the more he resisted. And as we go on here, let's read the next few verses. It says in verse 5, So Jonah went out of the city. God had asked him a question, Is it right for you to be angry? And he didn't answer the question. But he went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. He was going out to huff. (laughs) See, (laughs) he's a huffer. You see... God had confronted his anger. He had said, is it right for you to be angry? And he didn't even answer. He just took himself off. But here's the thing, and I got this bit of revelation this morning, and I just wanted to read it the way I wrote it down. It was good for Jonah to tell God how he really felt. And it's good to say if we're annoyed, or if we're, even if we are being petty, it's good to spill that all out to God. But God intends, when we tell God, about what we're displeased with. God intends that as we vent it and we tell him the truth of how we feel. That's all okay. But he doesn't expect us to stay there. He expects that venting to be part of a process to bring us into the truth that what God said was right all along. 
It's a process. And God allows us to vent our anger and all the rest of it so that we will move and come into a place of saying, well, Lord, you know what? This is what I've been feeling. But actually, as I've talked this out with you, I begin to see, actually, Lord, you're right. And then we come into a place of freedom because the truth will set you free. And God intended Jonah, okay for him to vent his anger, but God wanted to use that to bring him into a place of freedom, into a place where he would come into agreement with God and be able to enjoy doing God's will because he would, tr- he would trust in God. God basically wanted Jonah to surrender. And Jonah was refusing to surrender. That's what this tussle is all about. It's about Jonah refusing to surrender to God. So he, he, he doesn't even answer the question. And he, as if when he says there, he made himself a shelter. took himself off. He just, it's like it hands down more. I've had enough of this. Taking himself off, separating himself. Sometimes when we're angry, we separate ourselves. We get ourselves offside and become spectators. Sometimes we separate ourselves from God's people. We stop going to church. Sometimes we, we even cut ourselves off from God. I'm not talking to you anymore, God. We separate ourselves and we go to find our own shelter. Thank you very much. I'll just I'll look after myself from now on. And we have this wee false shelter. Well, I can do it myself. And anyway, God, what's the point in praying? Because every time I pray, you don't answer anyway. And so I'm just going to... I'm, out of, I'm, not, I'm falling out with you, God. And here I am. And he's sitting underneath this wee shelter that he's made for himself. And he's spectating. He's watching the city now. He's, you can almost see him drumming. <laughs> and he said, I'm just sitting here to wait and watch what's going to happen to the city. And he's kind of hoping maybe they haven't really repented. And maybe God will still give it to me. <laughs> I think that's what he's going to have. And you know, we can do that so easily in our Christian lives. We can think, well, it just hasn't worked out the way I wanted it to. So I'm getting offside and to heck with all of them. And uh, I'll just look after myself. I'll find my own shelter. Thank you very much. I don't need that crowd. And uh, I'll just sit here and I'll just watch and see what happens to the whole lot of them. <laughs> Let's read on what it says in verse 6. And the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. You see, he was, he was in absolute misery because he was disobeying God. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. This is the first time in the whole story that we see him grateful and in any kind of way happy uh, because God has given him this shade to protect him. And you know what really blessed me was, you know, Jonah was definitely having a pity party no question about it he was having a pity party he was sitting outside but it was very very hot and God actually prepared a plant it grew up very quickly overnight some people think it might have been a castor oil plant a plant with very big leaves and it gave him lovely protection from the sun and I was thinking with all that model skin no maybe his skin was very sun sensitive (laughs) who knows Uh, but anyway the sun was annoying him so God in his grace give him comfort and you know what it, what it reminded me of how sometimes whenever we whenever we do our own thing and we get offside and we're just being stubborn and we're not willing to yield to God not willing to forgive those that have hurt us not willing to do to go and bless our enemies not willing to do things the way God wants us to do it just reminded me how that sometimes we can we can sit and we can be in that pity party and how sometimes God reaches out to bring us comfort he comforts us to try and win us round. Sometimes when you're in bad form, God will actually bring you comfort to try and get you to agree with him. But if that won't work, he'll try something else because that didn't work in Jonah's case. Uh, he was quite happy to take the comfort, but he was still in bad form and he wasn't going to change his mind about God. And it tells us in the very next verse, but as morning dawned, verse 7, the next day, 
God prepared a worm. God's been doing a lot of preparing, hasn't he? He's prepared a fish, he's prepared the plant, and now he's preparing a worm. He prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. So God gave him the comfort, gave him the shelter. That didn't work. So now he's taking the shelter away to see if that'll work. Jonah had actually turned this shelter. We're going to see he had actually turned it into a kind of idol. And do you remember when he gave him the fish, what did he say? He wouldn't have any more idols. Here's what F.B. Mayer, F.B. Mayer is a great writer. Here's what he said. How often our girds, or our plants, girds is the old word, are allowed to perish to teach us deep lessons. In spite of all we can do to keep them green, their leaves turn more and more yellow until they droop and die. In other words, how often we try to keep these false shelters over ourselves. We try to protect ourselves. And no matter how much we try to water our own efforts and try to keep that right, it's not good enough. And eventually it'll just die. And and this plant was not the answer. It was a temporary comfort that God was giving him to try and woo him and bring him into a place of submission and surrender to God. But he was resisting God. And so God's taken away the plant now. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. Now he's prepared the fish, he's prepared the plant, he's prepared the worm. Now he's preparing the vehement east wind. And we believe that this was probably what they call a sirocco, which blows off the Arabian desert and brings an oppressive heat and exhausting dust. See, God was turning up the heat. God was definitely working on this man. And he says, And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then Jonas, then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not laboured nor made it grow. It came up in the night, and it perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? God's referring here to people that uh, couldn't discern between their right hand and their left. He's talking about little children. And he's saying there's 120,000 little children in this city. We believe there was probably 600,000 people in Nineveh at that time altogether. He's talking about the children and he's talking about the livestock. But Jonah couldn't see that. He was angry because God had taken away his comfort. You know, sometimes whenever comforts are removed, we get so angry, don't we? And this man was more concerned about a plant than he was about the people. And how often we are more concerned about our comfort than we are about other people. And this was an object lesson that God was giving to Jonah. Jonah was full of self-pity, but he had no pity or understanding of the value of all the people in Nineveh, never mind the animals. And he was not enjoying God's love for himself, and he certainly was not showing God's love to the people of Nineveh. He had reluctantly obeyed God, but he was still resistant to allow God to do a work in himself. And the result was misery, extreme misery. I have a friend who says that that self-pity is a super glue of hell. 
And God was working with Jonah to try and bring him into this place where he would enjoy it, where he would let go of his unforgiveness, where he would, he would choose to bless Nineveh. And that's where the real joy comes when we let go of the stuff we're holding on to, all of that resentment, and we choose to bless instead of to curse. And we begin to move and, and allow God to flow through us. That's where the real joy comes. And God wanted Jonah to know that joy. And God wanted Jonah to become a man of God. He wanted Jonah to know two things. One, that God's plan was good. And two, that God was giving him a privilege to work for him. When we understand that when God entrusts us with a job to do for him, when he entrusts us to bless the people around us, that, that, that that's, the, that's the best plan for our life. The secret of living is to ask the Holy Spirit, ask God to show us what is your will in this situation. Whatever that situation might be, ask him, what are you saying about this, Lord? And then to come into agreement with God. And he can reveal to you. He's not short of a way to reveal to you what he, what he thinks about any situation. And once we know what God thinks, then we agree with God. That's so simple. If we start praying like that, we see things happening. Because if we pray prayers of God, of God of God's prayers, and we make them our prayers, we will see him moving like that. That, that in different situations. It's amazing. That's what the way God wants us to live. And so we see that this was what God was trying to do, but poor Jonah was just resistant. He was so full of his own selfishness and self-pity that he was just stuck in this situation. This story shows us God's patience and perseverance as he works with our stubborn nature in order to bring us into true fellowship with himself. He wants us to experience the joy and privilege of fulfilling his purposes. He wants to set us free. He longs for us to trust him and work with him. But one thing I wanted to say before we finish. It doesn't tell us this in the Bible. But do you know what Jewish tradition says? Jewish tradition says that after all of this, that Jonah fell on his face and said, Govern your world according to the measure of mercy, as it is said. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. Wouldn't that be amazing? It's not in the word of God, but that's what the Jewish tradition says. We trust that, that that's what Jonah did. And Daniel 9, verse 9 says, To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. I want to encourage you that the God who loves you and the God that you have trusted is a God of infinite mercy and loving kindness. And he's a God who will work with you at every turn in your life. He is working. He even puts himself out to prepare certain things. He prepared the fish and the worm and the plant and all this stuff because he was working with Jonah. And he's working with you in your life and in your circumstances. And he's working to bring you to a place where you will trust him with every single thing. This is, this is the wonder of being Christian. Nineveh, where was it? We believe it was in modern day Iraq. I wanted to read something to you before I sit down. It is interesting to note where the lost city of Nineveh was rediscovered. It was found buried in the Mosul area in modern day Iraq. And the mounds under which the, the remains were found were known by different local names. And one of them was Nabi Yunus. And Nabi Yunus happens to be Arabic for the prophet Jonah. 
The lost city of Nineveh was found buried between an ancient tell named after the prophet Jonah. I just think God's word is so infallible and it's so wonderful and it's full of encouragement and blessing. And today I want you to be blessed as you leave here. I want you to know that God loves you. Don't look on all of those failures and all of that stuff. Let it go. Don't, don't beat yourself up about the past. Forgive those that have trespassed against you. Know that you're totally forgiven. And as you go out, walk in the freedom of knowing that God has a plan for your life. And that the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you in no uncertain measure. That he can prompt you, just as he spoke to Jonah and said, go and do this. He has missions that he wants to send you on. But he wants you to, to understand this is a tremendous privilege. And, and as you obey him, that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And that this joy will bubble up within you as you walk in the same mind of Christ. This is what being a Christian is all about. We talked the other week about how if you had a heart of a human being and you, could, and, and you could take it out and put it on the table and take another heart and put it on the table, that both hearts start to beat together. And that's what God wants. He wants your heart and his heart to come into agreement where your heart beats with his heart. And where in every situation you just know, you're just listening, what are you saying, Lord? And we come into immediately into agreement with him. That's where we know the love and the peace and the joy of being a Christian. That's where the fruits of the Spirit come. That's where we begin to operate in all the different giftings that God has given to us. God has a plan for every one of you. And as you leave here today, I, my prayer is that throughout this summer, that you would remember Jonah and that you would remember that God has a plan for you and that you would make a resolve. I'm not going to be like Jonah. With God's help, Lord, that you would say this morning, Lord, I want to tell you that I want to submit to you. I don't want to be resisting you the way Jonah did. I want to surrender to you. I want to say, yes, whatever your plans are, they're good. I, my prayer is that you would say, Lord, I'm your woman, and I want to live for you.